this rather snappy, won't you? I have some very heavy thinking to do before 10 o'clock. I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, I'm Jason Erickson. I'm the COO of ThinkSpace IT. And sitting across from me is the person who's going to be leading this podcast, whether she wants to or not, um, is Jessa Erickson, uh, the owner and also my wife of ThinkSpace IT. You poor sucker. I know. I don't know how I got into it. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so we're going to... The entire point of this is uh, we've been talking for a while, and we talk to a lot of people, a lot of people. And uh, I'm going to tell Jessa right now that she can shake her head yes all she wants, but nobody out there can see people shake your head. So you got to say words. <laughs> you know, I have my cell phone. I can record this. That's fine. Go right ahead. Okay. But the entire purpose of this was we were talking the other day about how we're running out of time and we just don't have enough time and bandwidth to go talk to everybody that we need to about, you know, pitfalls of IT, how to fix things, how to move on and that kind of deal when problems occur. And, you know, basic guidelines of just making small, medium businesses function better IT-wise. And at the same time, we want to talk about oddball stuff in the industry and that kind of deal. Well, okay. First of all, let's start with the importance of IT. Okay. It's growing more and more every day. It's constantly evolving. It used to be where you had your HVAC person, you had your printer person, you had your phone person, you had your computer person. They used to be separate entities. Yeah. That is not necessarily the case. Actually, in most cases, it's all lumped in. It's one conglomerate type situation now. I, I can actually vouch that I fixed several HVAC solutions for large companies because they didn't know how to you know, do their RS-485 connections. And for those people out there who know what that is, points. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But everything's IT nowadays. Uh, if, basically, if it goes beep, uh, which is what we tell a lot of our customers, if it goes beep... We'll try and help you with it. Um, and that's part of what leads us here uh, to our first discussion today is too many times we see people either have somebody fly in from somewhere saying, oh, you need this, this, and this, or, oh, that's not the right way to do that. I'm going to tell you there is no one-size-fits-all answer for IT, and everything does need to be built out for the customer. Um, all of my customers, while they follow a similar pattern, I, you would agree, yes? Absolutely, yes. Um, that uh, everyone has slight differences in how they function. I'm not going to go sell a $50,000 server to a 10-person company. I've seen it done, but I don't. I, I personally won't do that because they'll never use those resources. They don't um, need it. It's too much for them. And the cost alone, oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about a novel approach to IT, which I refer to as the KISS method of IT. Um, and for those who don't know, KISS is keep it simple, stupid. Uh, and, you know, I'm just going to tell you, it's so many times when people tell me my network fails, this is a problem. These keep going down. This is broken. Once I start digging into it, they've spent a lot of time, effort, and money to build out these massive solutions that it's all of the intricacies of their install that's kicking their butt, um, <laughs> quite frankly. We have a situation where we're dealing with right now. The system was way overbuilt for what they needed because the customer thought they needed a, you know, it has to be 24-7, 100% never downtime type solution. Well, the problem is they've overbuilt it to the point where now, instead of dealing with like a single P 
piece of equipment or a server failing, now if one or two key components fails, it basically takes them down for an extended period of time as we have to rebuild this one piece of equipment. You know, and it's... uh, for those out there who know what a sand solution is, I'm probably going to have people shaking their heads yes or no. But a lot of times if you lose that sand solution, you're looking at recovering from backups quickly or trying to repair the sand. And that can take days. It takes a long time to rebuild one of those. So one of the things I've looked at and one of the things I've been pushing for with that particular customer is why do you guys have a sand? And their answer is, well, we got to be up all the time. Okay, I get that. What do you consider be up all the time? You know, if the server fails and it comes back up in five minutes, is that acceptable? And most of the time I'm like, well, yeah, that would be fine. Well, in that case, you have the wrong solution. You know, if you're willing to have, you know, five minutes to an hour of downtime, break it out, get rid of that $100,000 sand solution and let's build something better. Let's build something simpler. So Everybody honestly should be looking around their co- companies, looking around, what do they got shoved in closets, that kind of deal. Now, the other side of KISS is you don't want to go so simple you hamstring yourself. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times, and I know you've seen it too, where we'll walk into a business and they say, hey, our wireless is terrible. And we go in and we look, and what they have is, you know, they have some... Uh, I'm going to throw a brand out there and I apologize if I offend anybody, but you know, they'll have some Netgear or Linksys home unit shoved in a closet somewhere and expect it to cover their whole building and expect it to be high quality, hundred percent uptime guarantee. It's going to work because after all, I spent a hundred bucks on this thing, right? Uh (laughs) And just for reference, that is actually something I want to discuss on a later episode. I want to talk about commercial versus consumer. So remind me, because that's that's there's a huge difference not in just price, but quality and support, the whole shebang. So yep. we're gonna come back to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that Kiss Method is kicking in right now hard is, uh, why do you have all this hardware in your business? Why why nowadays? I mean, I know I still have customers out there with QuickBooks loaded on a computer or a server in the back room. And they're like, uh, well, we have to have this. It has to be this way. You know, if you really do the cost analysis on it, it is much cheaper to have QuickBooks host that for you. And then you can access it from home. Well, not to mention the fact that they're discontinuing support for yep. for the disk version, for yep. your on-prem solution. Yeah, Everything is going cloud. Yeah, they're pushing that thing out as fast as they can. They like the, the cloud version better because, one, it's always going to be up to date. So you don't have to worry about updates anymore. Kiss method. Mm-hmm. And you, you can know? access it anywhere. Yeah, you access if you're working from home, God forbid, if you're on vacation and shit happens and you just have to quick pop in and do something, you have access from anywhere as long as you have the internet. And supposedly they have backups. I still recommend you get backups. Oh, absolutely. But uh, you may not need a backup every 20 minutes. You may just need a quarterly backup or a monthly backup and assume that... Uh, QuickBooks is going to have your back regularly. But for peace of mind. Catastrophic failure. Redundancy. Redundancy. Redundancy is going to be absolute (laughs) key. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. When it comes to backups. Now, here again, I've seen redundancies of redundancies of redundancies of equipment where they were actually causing problems because they were overly redundant. 
you know. True. Not in backups. I've never seen anybody fall down because they had multiple redundant backups. But I've seen redundant servers, redundant switching, redundant routing, where it just adds a high level of complexity um, to a very basic situation. So here's what I recommend everybody does. This is your homework for the day. Sorry, folks. You didn't know there'd be homework listening to us. I apologize. (laughs) But uh, the homework for the day is go look at your office and seriously talk to your employees. I recommend you sit down with a piece of paper, give each one, ask them like two, three questions. First and foremost, you know, what, what is your biggest pain when it comes to working here technologically? You know, what do you log into that doesn't work? You know, oh, you know, the printer never works right. This never works right. That never works right. Okay, cool. Have them write that down. After you hit all your employees up with that, that should be your go-to, we should fix this. You know, if your server's been up and running for, you know, two years without a hiccup, you may not want to rebuild that just for the sake of rebuilding it. Because if it's working, let it continue working. You know, maintain it, take care of it. But, you know, I've seen a lot of people rip stuff out and say, well, I think, you know, we've been running at 4% processor utilization. We better get a bigger box. Why? (laughs) Uh, You know, a little slowness on occasion uh, equates to a huge savings in the long run. Wi-Fi is the thing I see a lot of times uh, listed as broken. Well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should go through uh, just like my top three that I always have people complain about. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with wireless. Oy. <laughs> uh, wireless is a pain point. One, it's a huge security hole. Massive security hole. I can't tell you how many places I've walked into and they'll have their Wi-Fi password on the wall. And you get logged into it and it's like, oh, look, I can now see your servers. I can see all your printers. I can see X, Y, and Z. I, your wireless needs to be restricted down as much as possible. If you're going to give out that passcode, you're going to make it a guest network, okay? Most APs and all that will have guest capabilities now. Turn the guest capabilities on. Not everybody needs access to your printers, okay? If they need something printed, tell them to send it to you, email it to you, and you can print it for them, especially if they're a guest, okay? Printers are one of the number one hacked devices out there because they're poorly maintained. Um, And here, I'm going to throw a lot of the printing companies under the bus here. But honestly, most printing companies are running on super old equipment. You know, companies that come in and provide you printers when I say printing companies. But uh, they're usually old, they're usually beat up, and they're usually not maintained. And a lot of times you have to go in and as an IT person, I absolutely despise printing companies anymore. Uh, Most printing companies are fly-by-nights that try to do everything as cheaply as possible. Uh, They get you a device, they make you think you're getting a great deal. Sit down and do the math. You actually sit down and do the math. You probably could have paid for that copier or printer four or five times over um, by the time you get rid of it. And not to mention, if it looks like it's old, there might be a good possibility that it's not brand new. Oh, no. it's Yeah, I've I've a lot of times had, hey, we're having problems with our new printer. And I get there and it's a five-year-old printer that got yanked out of somewhere else, wiped down. And then put in, and here's your new printer, and they immediately have the same problems that got it removed from the last company for. <laughs> Just because it's new to you doesn't mean it's actually new. So, you know, be be an aware consumer. You need to watch out for that kind of stuff because, unfortunately, I hate to say it, 
there's a lot of sketchy people out there that they're going to sell you something. They're going to say it's new and it's not. We've run right. into it. I don't a know lot. how many times. Yeah. And it just, it makes me so angry because it gives the rest of us who actually do what we say a really bad name. Yes, absolutely. So, all right. So we talked about Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to loop back to Wi-Fi. And we're, we're going all over the place, but I'm going to loop back to Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi, if you're getting a Wi-Fi solution, honestly, I have a different Wi-Fi solution depending on the company size. Since we're primarily aimed at small and medium business, what I generally recommend for small business is the Unify product. I mean, it's simple to manage, simple to maintain, spend the money, get your cloud controller. I recommend getting the Dream Machine I recommend uh, getting, you know, halfway decent APs. Don't necessarily get their cheapest one. Get something in the middle and, you know, set it up, you know, set up that guest network, set up, you know, a secure path. Go ahead and do some of the firewall features. All right. I'm not saying Ubiquity is the world's best firewall, but it's better than the firewall that most people don't have. Because, <laughs> uh, sorry, folks, I hate to burst your bubble, but if it came from the cable company, it's not a firewall. A lot of times they'll even, the cable company will even be able to tell you what you have plugged in on your network and they prefer it that way because then they can track and get metrics and that kind of deal as to how much internet they really should be selling you. Even at home, get a firewall, get something cheap, just get a firewall. Just protect yourself. Protect yourself. If you're going to go higher end, that kind of deal, you want, if you're going to have personal records of any kind, okay, don't recommend standard state type firewalls. You need something with deep packet inspection. You need it with analytics. You need X, Y, and Z. You're going to be looking something more along the lines of, oh, I don't know, a watch guard, a barracuda, uh, something that you're going to spend some money on. You're going to spend, you know, 500 to a thousand bucks for a decent firewall. And you're going to continue paying on that firewall for the software. But here's the thing to remember. Yes, you're spending money on that firewall, Think of it like an insurance policy. You're spending money on that firewall, you know, if you're doing a monthly kind of situation, but it is protection. It's keeping the bad stuff out so that you don't end up paying more because you got hacked. Right. So pay a little bit more now, save money later because your stuff is safe and secure or spend nothing now, get hacked and, you know, you're hosed. Yeah, exactly. And that's not a situation I want to see. No. So, okay. So, so far we've covered, we went from wireless to suddenly firewalls, which was like about my third or fourth item. But, uh, so wireless, just make sure you have something with the guest access, provide the guest access to your guests. They should not be able to see anything on your network. If they can see something on your network, your guest network is set up wrong. And don't be afraid to ask for help. If you don't know how to set this up, if you're not comfortable setting it up, Get assistance. Find a partner. Yeah, find a partner. Find somebody who knows what they're doing and can set it up the right way. Because why pay for this stuff if it's not going to be set up properly? Right. wasting money. And honestly, the Ubiquiti equipment is very easy to set up. It's specifically designed for small business. It really is. I know they push enterprise and that kind of deal. On Honestly, once you hit about mid-market, Unify starts to get a little underpowered. At that point, you need to start looking at more of your ruckuses, Arubas, you know, I'll say the dirty word, Cisco. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, we uh, you need to make sure it's right-sized, okay? All right, so firewalls, get yourself one, for the love of God. Please. Um, so printing, 
don't use refill cartridges, uh, especially if you own the unit. <laughs> I'm bouncing all over the place and I know, but it's been a busy day. Um, <laughs> so uh, refill cartridges. Uh, I saw a good example this morning where somebody printed out a piece of paper and it looked like a bad photocopy. Sorry, it did. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Likely that means it's a refill cartridge. Don't do it. A, it voids your warranty and B, it looks bad and C, it could ruin your machine. Right. Well, a lot of times it does. Because a refill cartridge, it, it, for, for those who don't know, what they do with the refill cartridge is when you, you know, all those recyclers that take your refill cartridges, you give them, the, you give them this and say, oh, thanks for getting rid of this for me. What they're going to do is they're going to drill a hole in the side of it, fill it from a drum of toner that they have, put a little plug in that hole, and then replace a little chip, and then they'll turn around and sell that as a recycled or refurbished toner cartridge. They don't do any refurbishment. They replace the chip that says it's a new unit and they fill it with generic toner. There are hundreds of sizes of toner and most people don't know this. Toner is not toner is not toner. Um, Depending on your printer, if you have a very high resolution laser printer, that toner is super small and very granular. If you have a cheap printer, it's going to be very coarse, very rough. It's going to be lower resolution. Um, And so the toner is going to be bigger. The problem is what they do is they find a mid-grade toner and they'll dump that into every single cartridge that comes across. If they put it into the coarse toner drums, that's where you're going to get all the, why is the inside of my printer filled with toner? Because they put too small a toner in the cartridge and so the toner's leaking. Or, you know, why is everything splotchy and smeared and scarry and that kind of deal? Well, they probably put the wrong size toner in and now it's damaged the drum that's on that toner cartridge. And that's where you're going to get all your streaks, your spots, your dirty pages, all of that. Because they put the wrong size toner in the, in the stupid cartridge. Um, there's a couple recyclers out there that do a good job. But those are going to be your more expensive recycled toners. You know, if you're going to get uh, recycled toner, you really should get it from a major name. And I know Xerox makes some. I know, uh, I think Epson did it one time. They make them for different printers. I'm not positive on the Epson one, but you can look it up. And, uh, you know, if you go with OEM, it's always going to work. You're going to extend the life of your printer. You're going to get a lot more pages. Everything's going to come out looking beautifully. Very rarely have I ever put a OEM cartridge in, an original manufacturer cartridge in, and had it look bad. Uh, but there's a lot of times I've gone in and yanked out a refill cartridge, and all of a sudden the page starts printing perfect. And they think, you know, the user thinks, oh, you you must have cleaned it, refurbished it, you did X, Y, Z. No, I re- put the proper toner cartridge in the thing. Um, so for those out there, if you got a lot of streaking in that and you have terrible printing, Spend the money, buy a real toner cartridge, put it in, and you're going to be shocked at the quality increase just instantly. All right. So now we've done wireless, and we've done uh, firewalls a little bit. And we've printers. Done printers a little bit. We did switching just slightly. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose we can touch on, on switching, because that's about the next thing I see that's always overbuilt, is switching. I've gone into a lot of places, and they will have... A $10,000 switch or a $5,000 switch for a company of 10 users. And my biggest question is why? And I always get the, the same answer usually. Oh, well, it's X brand, you know? 
it's it's you know it's a Cisco, it's it's a brocade, it's a that would just age myself by saying brocade. <laughs> um, it's uh, you know it's a tried and true. It, if it has this name on it, you know it's gonna work. Okay, well you know most switches work. Um, are you doing anything fancy with it? Well, no, it's just, we just plug it in. It's, you know, that it's not doing any routing. It's not doing any, you know, packet control. It's not doing X, Y, or Z. Then why in God's name are you spending $10,000 on something you should have spent maybe $1,000 on, you know, or even $500, you know, here again, you can go get a entry level switch that will do basic you plug in your ports, you get power. I highly recommend you always buy PoE. But you'll get your power, it'll flow, everything will be happy. All the little children will hold hands and sing. Okay, no, that's a little excessive. But <laughs> but I am going to interject real quick. Yeah. When he says PoE, that's power over Ethernet. Just in case you're not super familiar with it, it is the way things are going now. No, you thank don't you, necess- Mr. Wizard. You- <laughs> <laughs> Where normally you would have a, you'd have that connectivity. Yep. But then you'd also have a separate power adapter. You don't need that power adapter anymore. You get your connectivity and your power through your, I'm going to say Cat6 cable because that's the most common, but your your data cable. Right. So it it simplifies things. If you want to, yeah, if you want to be future-proof with PoE, you're going to want to look for, uh, your PoE identifier needs to end in the letters AT. Go write that down, everyone. AT is going to be the higher level power, which means that you can actually buy devices now that will run entirely off your PoE. And that's going to be things like you can plug your laptop in. It'll charge your laptop if you have the right model laptop. You have monitors out there now. It'll power your monitor. It'll power your display. And it'll do all this through the network, Okay. So, of course, you have your desk phones, you have lighting. Yeah, and when I say lighting, I'm talking like those fluorescent fixtures you have above you. You can actually buy replacement fluorescent fixtures that run on PoE now, where it's LED, of course. But you take the old fluorescent tubes out, you drop in this panel, you plug in your Ethernet cable, and now you have a lighting system that doesn't require any high voltage. Uh, it's very cool stuff. And you can connect to it and control it from virtually anywhere as long as you have yeah. access to the system. So if you remember that Big Bang Theory episode where they were, I think they had a robot or something, and they had uh, these guys like across the country who got into the system and were controlling it. Oh, were super excited I thought they were just turning it. the light on and off. Well, they did that too, but okay. or maybe it was, or maybe it was a radio. I don't remember. Anywho. It's that kind of thing where as long as you have access to the controller that manages it, you can control your lights from anywhere. And for those who are into psychedelics and that kind of deal, you can change the colors. So, <laughs> um, And you can uh, – the biggest advantage and the reason these are starting to become popular is the green push and that kind of deal where you can actually set the lights where they will automatically turn on and off. Uh, you can set it so that, you know, if you're on an extended leave or that kind of deal, you can tell the lights in the building to all turn off so you aren't spending the electricity. Now, the downside of pushing everything through PoE, and here this kind of relates back to your KISS method as well, is as soon as you start stacking a bunch of PoE switches, man, they are space heaters, all right? So if you have a tiny, tiny closet and you want to put these switches in, 
you better figure out some ventilation if you start putting in a lot of PoE devices because uh, you're going to find that room is suddenly going to be 100 and something degrees and you're going to have to put an air conditioner in, you're going to have to put venting in, something to keep that room to at least 80 or so would be ideal. Less than 80 would be even better. But that'll help, you know, keep things gone. Because I've had a couple calls where I've had to go out, and here again, somebody just didn't apply, you know, uh, basic methods, and all of a sudden this room's 100 degrees. I'm like, you know, take, take this door off and replace it with a louvered closet door. And they did that, and here we go, KISS method, much cheaper than an air conditioner. And the room dropped probably 20 degrees, and they didn't have to put in an air conditioner. Now, for those who are afraid of air conditioning and that kind of deal, if you've got a heavy DIYer type folks, look at a product called Mr. Cool, because Mr. Cool actually will sell you an air conditioner kit that works pretty well, but you can put it in yourself. You don't have to have a... AC contractor come in and put it in for you. You can just drill the holes yourself, run the lines, you know, connect everything up and you have air conditioning where you need it. And these are the little units that go on the wall uh, that you guys are probably familiar with seeing. Like the ones in hotel rooms? Yeah, kind of like the ones in hotel rooms, except for these are, these are called split systems. Air conditioners and hotel rooms are single units. Okay. But, uh, so you'll have a box that goes outside and a box that goes in your server room. And it will just, uh, you'll have a pipe, a couple pipes that connect the two, connect power, move on with life. That's, uh, and, and they're fairly inexpensive. And I know small businesses are very much about, we got to save a buck here and there. Okay. But at the same time, don't sacrifice security and, and all that stuff for the dollar. Absolutely not. Make sure that what you're doing is A, what you need, what you want, within your price range and something that ideally if you're going to scale up you have some room to wiggle as you grow right yes absolutely i think that's my big list that i wanted to hit on my my kiss system i mean honestly when it comes to networking and servers and that kind of deal uh, the simpler you keep it the easier it is going to be maintained the easier it's going to be to upgrade the easier and probably a lot cheaper way to keep things flung, flowing and functioning in your organization. Um, that's that's really it. Uh, any company that comes in and starts saying, hey, you need this, 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 and this, you may want to raise an eyebrow and ask them why. And if the answer is this is the product we sell and this is the way it has to be, that's not really a good reason. You know, a good, good IT company, in my humble opinion, and just the way this is the way Jess's company functions, is they go through and they do a hardware audit regularly. What product are we going to sell and why? Um, and if you don't do that or the company you have is like, we've been a, uh, I'm going to throw Cisco under the bus again here. We've been a Cisco partner for 20 years. Great. I'm happy for you. Is it the most cost-effective solution? Is it the best solution for the customer? Uh, well, no, not really, but you know, this kind of works and it fits and yeah, it's expensive, but it's Cisco. So you got to have it or, you know, it's, you know, extreme or it's, you know, that's great. I think it's fantastic. Um, and if the customer wants to buy, you know, the, the super high end with a name type stuff, go for it. But if you're honestly a 10 person shop and you're spending five grand, 10 grand on a switch, you better ask yourself why. 
because um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It really doesn't. If you're spending a lot of money on something odd and something that really shouldn't be a major commodity, you should ask yourself why. You should always do what the military calls trust but verify. All right. Trust that your IT person is doing the best they can for you. But you may want to verify that they aren't overselling you. Uh, yes, this will work. You know what? I need to haul a brick from my house to, you know, the job site. Yeah, I could take a dump truck. It'll do a great job. But do you really need it? Exactly. You know, I honestly could chuck a brick in a car and, and haul a brick, you know. <laughs> or you could just carry it. Well, not if the job site's 100 miles away. <laughs> if, if, if it's that close and I'm going to carry it, can I throw it? <laughs> ah, there you go. See who can throw it the farthest. Exactly. If you hit somebody with a brick in the woods, uh, will they, they ever scream. find the body? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway. All right. So I think we've about talked this out. Um, sorry for the roughness. Sorry for the all over folks. But, uh, you know, this is how these podcasts start is we got to figure out how to make things entertaining and interesting. And if you're still listening, I'm sorry. Try us back in about four episodes. We'll be good then. So that's all I have. I do want to go back really quick when you talk about trust but verify. Yeah. It is extremely important to do that. And not only with a provider that you've been working with for you know, six months, one year, five years, ten years, whatever. When you're starting out too, trust but verify. Get second opinions. Don't just naturally go with the first quote that you're given. Shop around. Talk to people who are not necessarily experts, but maybe have some more insights that either the provider has not talked to you about or you haven't thought about. Do your due diligence. Research. And, you know, even even ask the person who's quoting it to you. You know, who are your competitors? Mm-hmm you know, what do you, what do you know about them? And, you know, the ones you're, you're going to get a lot of different answers because, you know, some people are going to bad mouth their competitors. They don't like them for whatever reason. That's great. You don't like them because they're a competitor. (laughs) Well, but competition is good because there are people out there who are going to offer different things than we do. Things that may be better suited for a different customer. Yeah. You know, one size does not fit all, not only applies to your hardware, and your software, but to your IT service provider. You know, we've we've had some customers in the past that just we haven't been the right fit for them, and they've moved on, and, and they're doing well, and that's fantastic for them. And we usually help them move on. If they're Absolutely. not a good fit, we usually always, yep, you need to go somewhere else. Let's see if we can't find somebody better that'll fit you. Um, and we're fine with that. Honestly, it's more about what's best for the customer than yep. for us sometimes. It's about doing I mean, what's right and right. doing what's best for the customer, yeah, not if, just for my bottom line. Yeah, if it's my a bad bottom... fit customer, it's going to cost them more money. It's going to cost us more yeah. money. And, you know, I'm not saying that we can't handle most customers, but there's there's the one-off customer that's just like, you know, with the way you want to do things and, and X, Y, and Z or the industry that you're in, you don't don't mesh well with how we function. Let's see if we can't find somebody better. Absolutely. Um, Because ultimately your bottom line, my bottom line, they are not benefited by a relationship that is not mutually beneficial. And when I say relationship, I literally do mean relationship. You know, they're not just customers that we quote unquote sell stuff to. No. First of all, I hate the term salesperson. Not my thing. It has a bad connotation. 
we partner with our customers. We work with them. We are an extension of their team. We ultimately want to do what's right by them because that's just who we are and how we function. Yep. Uh, I wanted to loop back again on your comment on quotes. Um, in general, when you receive a ton of quotes, and I've never understood why people do this, but automatically, if I get a bunch of quotes, the first thing I do is I get rid of the highest bidder and the lowest bidder. Why? Because uh, quite frankly, the highest bidder is going to be selling you a ton of stuff you don't want or need. And the lowest bidder is not selling you probably what you need. <laughs> okay. Because they're they're into the value proposition, not necessarily the best fit proposition. But as, and this is, you know, obviously coming from a different perspective, if you're the business owner or whoever makes the financial decisions for a company, when you're not super familiar or have enough experience with IT, how do you how do you verify that just to be on the safe side? Or do you just make the general assumption if it's too high that they're giving you stuff you don't need, too low, it's just, you know. Well, in general, I've discovered that if, uh, and, and, you know, I, I help some companies with this, especially if, you know, we're pulling in hardware that's something I don't sell. In general, what I've discovered, and this is in general, folks, but in general, if I see the high bid, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be high-end, really awesome equipment. You know, it's going to have bells, whistles, functions, features, um, half of which you'll never even know exist, but you've paid for it. Congratulations. And so a lot of times it's just too big a fit, you know. I understand needs for growth, that kind of deal. But, you know, if you have a piece of equipment that does, you need it to do X and it's doing X, Y, Z, you need to, you know, kind of reassess that. If you have a, a guideline, uh, I need, I need a switch that provides POE, basic routing, um, that kind of deal, or even let's say layer two is all it needs. Layer two just means I plug it in and it passes traffic. If I need that, I don't need a $10,000 switch. I need a $800 switch. I need a $1,000 switch, you know? And yes, I know there's cheaper switches, but there again, never go with the cheapest and very rarely go with the most expensive. Now on the cheap side, um, generally what I've done, because we do a bit of work with construction companies and that kind of deal, um, which we're happy to do. We love, we love working with construction, but usually for some reason in the process of doing the blueprints, that kind of deal, a lot of times it's, well, we want this product. Why? Well, that's just the product I'm comfortable with. It's, you know, the architect who really doesn't do IT, really doesn't do a lot of this stuff. It's just their comfort zone, okay? Any blueprints that I come across my desk, I actually sit down and we go through it and we say, is this actually, does this actually make sense? I got blueprints four or five months ago where I started going through the blueprints and they had... Every room had, had, was beautifully mapped out. It had, you know, uh, drops on every wall. It had, you know, places to plug stuff in on every wall. It was, it was gorgeous. They had no wiring closets to plug everything in. They had no place to put the switches. So they had this million-dollar project. Everything was beautifully marked out in the rooms, but it had nowhere to go. <laughs> so I had to go back to them and say, hey, you know, there's no wiring closet. Can we convert this janitorial closet into a wiring closet? 
And then, of course, that grows into, well, they need that for the custodials for that area, and they need this and that kind of... So we ended up, uh, I think, carving up part of the uh, the workroom that they had and ended up taking away half of the workroom. So th- unfortunately, they ended up with a tiny workroom. And, and by workroom, I mean like a place for copiers and that kind of deal. Um, so we ended up cutting that in half to put in a wall. So we had a place to put all the switching so we could actually plug everything in. So I highly recommend if you're building a new building and you have any data in there at all, take it to your local IT guy. Say, hey, take a look at this. Does this make sense? And if your local IT guy looks at the blueprints and glazes over, go find a different IT guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, not all of us are good at everything and nobody is an expert in everything. Um, And if they aren't willing to admit, hey, let's go talk to somebody else, let's pull somebody else in, then you you need to find a new IT guy. Um, But uh, I mean, myself, just yesterday, I ended up calling HP and Microsoft because I had questions about, hey, I normally do it this way. It's not working. What am I doing wrong? And they were able to guide me uh, and get me through my problems. You know, find find a good IT guy. But ask anyway, questions. ask the questions. So blueprinting, that kind of deal. Yeah, if you're building new buildings, go find somebody who's done construction IT. Don't take the architect's word for it necessarily or the in, uh, engineer's word for it. Get it figured out. Um, find that Find that sweet spot. And I've wandered so far, I have no idea what I was talking about. And Jess well, is laughing at me, of course, because I'm a laughing, fool. Yes, no, even not. <laughs> but it does come back to the Kiss method. Yes. You know, standardize. Oh yeah, I remember where we were at now. <laughs> Sorry, it was that high. Why you asked me why high, why low? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, so to wrap that up before we move on to yet another topic that we're going to bounce back and forth to. The high bid is, and I'm assuming you've gotten like 10 bids, okay? If you've gotten three bids, don't throw out the lowest and highest. <laughs> you have to look through them on their merits. Um, but if you have like 10 bids, it's usually pretty safe to say, I, yeah, I don't want the low bid. I don't want the high bid. Um, and then start going and working your way. In general, your best fit, and I, I see this happen all the time. I see, uh, especially with government contracts, they're going to take the low bid. Because they want to look good. Yeah, I saved us money because I went with the low bid. I can guarantee you that there's going to be change orders. There's going to be additional features and and stuff that you need to pay for with the low bid. Yeah, so that low bid? Low bids generally, no, I've had a lot of low bids end up becoming more than the high bid. Simply because they overlooked, they forgot a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. There was a camera install we looked at a while back and, and... the low bid didn't have licensing for the camera server, you know? And that's why they were the low bid is because they dropped off five grand worth of licensing. You kind of need the <laughs> A little bit, yes. <laughs> it kind of makes things work. Yeah. I, they don't usually like it when you steal software. Um. <laughs> please, please be ethical. Don't yes. don't use the wrong kind of software and licensing. I'm begging you, please. Yes. Okay. On that note, I think that's a, a, a passionate time and okay. comment you know you got your bag so it's like please please <laughs> please sir can i have some it um no uh so i think now's a good place for us to say we're done okay you good with that yeah all right uh, by the way I'm, I'm so happy we recorded this because she agreed with me in public so i'm very excited oh, about that so <laughs> it doesn't happen that often all right well Folks, I think that's the end of it. Thank you so much for listening. We're probably going to do another one of these very soon and uh, supposedly regularly. We'll see how that goes. 
I'm sure there's a place they can put comments and stuff. Okay, please. Please drop us comments, that kind of deal. Tell us how terrible we did. Or if you want us to dig into a topic, uh, this one's very general. Obviously, it's our first podcast. Uh, but as we start moving forward, we're going to get pretty darn granular because um, uh, my thought and process, and I think Justice is the same, is it would be nice to be able to say, okay, we're going to have a podcast on X. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to cover switches today. Mm-hmm. And so for you can listen to a 30, 40 minute podcast and say, okay, now I know what I should go out and buy. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, if you're listening to a three year old podcast and want to go out and buy equipment that we're talking about, stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> Find a newer podcast. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening. I'm Jason Erickson. And I'm Jessa Erickson. I'm and, the other half. Yeah, she's the smart half. And uh, he's we'll the be, pretty half. Well, I'll be talking to you soon. If you like what you heard in this podcast, or heck, even if you didn't, check out our other episodes on virtually any streaming podcast service. You can also get social with us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And most importantly, check out our website at thinkspaceit.com. <laughs>